horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thank you everyone for joining us here on Winning Ponies, uh, the number one listen to sports network, Voice America on the internet. Happy to have you. Uh, some uh, big news shaking out this week. Before we start doing that and look at some of our scores from last week, I want to tell you that our first guest is going to be a guy I've had on before, very well respected in the industry. His name is Evan Hammonds. Uh, he's now worked at the Blood Horse for over 15 years, I believe. Uh, first as the managing editor in 1998, and then he was named executive editor in 2007. Before that, he worked for the Daily Racing Forum uh, in New Jersey and Arizona. He grew up in Lexington, so you know that he feels a little bit better being back there in the middle of the bluegrass. And, of course, a lot of big things happening this week. I want to get his read on it. And also, speaking of uh, his read, uh, he penned an interesting column in last week's Blood Horse magazine. And it says, need for new owners. Justify has already done his part to sell the sport. So I kind of want to get his feedback there. Is ownership dwindling? Yes. What do we got to do to bring it back? Well, that's what I want to find out. And that's why we're going to talk to Evan Hammonds, the managing editor of the popular Blood Horse magazine. And then finally, I got him. I, I think he was involved in a Thursday night poker game on a regular basis. They wiped him out. And now Byron King, the king of Louisville, is available to join us to give us his handicapping expertise, as it were, and just kind of talk about racing in general. Of course, uh, he does cover uh, not only racing in Kentucky, but gives his input uh, to the Saratoga meet. And uh, pretty much uh, every other beat that the editor says, hey, Byron, can I get you to write a story on this? And the answer is yes. So Byron King will join us, too. Looking forward to that. Well, I think it was in German. My mother taught it. She said uh, in the old days when the guy that lived above you would be getting undressed for the night and would be taking his shoes off. And it was you'd hear the first one thump. And you couldn't really go to sleep until you heard the second one thump. And I believe the person would shout out, When does Asensi shoe fallen? In other words, when's the other shoe going to fall? Well, the other shoe, the shoe fell earlier this week when the worst kept secret in racing, it was announced that Triple Crown winner Justify would be retired from racing. Uh, so he's going to travel to Windstar Farm and August. Got to follow the story to find out whether or not he's going to eventually stand there. But, you know, he was an undefeated winner of the Triple Crown. Uh, they say, according to Baffert, that he had some filling in his ankle and he's just not responding quick enough for a fall campaign. <clears throat> we all wanted to see Justify run again, but ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure he's perfect. Without 60 to 90 days, I can't be definite. And so first, he'd have to be definite, and then he'd have to start winding him up uh, for the fall campaign. I don't think you'd want to jump right into the Breeders' Cup or jump right, right into the Pegasus without uh, you know, have, having some races before. So you knew it was going to happen. Um, 
at least I felt it was going to happen. Let me put it that way. And so it has been announced. And there's so many owners involved in this horse. And he has so much value as hot as Scat Daddy is and as hot as an undefeated Triple Crown winner. What if they tried to bring him back and the filling affected his uh, race and he ended up getting beat? What would that cost his reputation and his owners uh, in stud? So this way you can advertise the undefeated triple crown winner justify of course seattle slew was undefeated when he won the triple crown uh, but then he decided to uh, go out west and try a sprint horse who names elude me right now it'll come to me as soon as the microphone's off uh, and ended up gotten beat after billy turner advised uh, that he should not go out there. He needs more rest, but they got a little antsy, thought he was unbeatable, and he ended up getting beat out there on the West Coast. Still came back to be a, a fine uh, horse the following season, and uh, but nonetheless, Justify will retire as an undefeated Triple Crown winner. So, uh, you know, so many people have chimed in, especially, you know, Kenny Trout from Windstar Farm, uh, as we all know, after his Derby win, he went on to race in that foggy Pimlico that was kind of like a Twilight Zone episode. They enter, entered the cloud, and nobody knew who was going to come out on the other side of it. And it was justifiably justified, but it was a close one uh, with uh, Bravazo and Tenfold right there on his tail end. Of course, the track very uh, sloppy uh, that day, too. But uh, so... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what, what happens. Of course, the China Horse Club is involved in there, too. He's going to return to Windstar Farm early next month. And uh, I'm not sure that it has been announced that that's where he's going to stand because I've heard some other farms, probably many other farms, have been uh, trying to lure him into their stallion barn. So it will be interesting and uh it's like uh, they just can't take the risk of uh, racing him as a four-year-old. So we'll find out where he's going to stand stud a little bit later down the road. Well, here's a guy that's been very big on the racing scene in the last few years. And it happens to all good jackies. They do finally take a tumble. At this time, it was Victor Espinoza. He fractured his C3 vertebrae after a fall. It was uh, training just four days ago at Del Mar. And uh, they say that he's going to be hospitalized uh, at least until today. And they're not sure exactly how long it's going to take after that but an injury like that you've got to be very careful he was working the grade two winner bobby abdu bobby uh who it looks like he died from a heart attack and just went down so uh, espinoza's uh, going to be uh wearing a neck brace he'll have to wear that at least for six weeks and but the reason that they, they kept him in the hospital this long is he's had nerve sensitivity in his left shoulder and uh, they do think that they say that just in the last 24 hours, that's diminished. So they feel a little bit better about him getting out. And it, it happens often, and it usually goes away as, as it heals itself. So um, it's just something we're going to have to wait for. Victor Espinosa's had some very, very great days uh, in, in recent years, and I'm sure he'll be back. Well, there's so many good races that we tried to pack into this week's show Uh we're not going to handicap the Haskell, and that's coming up. And it looks like Good Magic, 
who uh, is probably one of the few that didn't feel bad about Justify leaving the racing scene since he was last year's champ. Uh, he's going to be installed as the Haskell favorite in what looks to be a small field. Uh, we'll see if uh, if Evan or uh, Byron want to uh, chime in on that. And Kentucky lost an outstanding horseman, Forrest Kalen. They call him the Dean of Kentucky Trainers. Died at 63. Trained horses for oh, 65 years. Uh, native of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he just retired this May because of failing health. Won uh, 1,600 races. Uh, 17.7 million in a training career. Uh, and he won the uh, 1988 Alice Park training title. So that was it. Forrest Kalen, if you're from the Kentucky area, the guy is a legend and he was a character. Now, last week we took on a slew of races. I hope we got enough time to get them all in. Uh, the, the grade races that we started looking at started on Friday. The Grade 3 Schuylerville, a very significant race uh, for two-year-old fillies. And the horse I liked at 3-1, to one, Catherine the Great, got the job done by four and a quarter lengths. Very impressive. Uh, she's a daughter of Uncaptured, who's a $6,000 stud fee. Horse sold for $170,000. Must have looked awful good. Trained by Mark Cassie. Jose Ortiz in the saddle. Behind him was the uh, favorite, Nona Madeline, uh, who at Johnny V in the saddle. Todd Pletcher was going for his seventh win in the Schuylerville, and in the third spot was Congrats Gal. Then at Saratoga, the following day, we had the coaching club American Oaks. And uh, I stand corrected. This race was Sunday because I even watched it uh, from a press box private party. <laughs> uh, uh, Monomoy girl, the one to two favorite, got the job done. Florent Giroux, wire to wire in the mile and an eighth at Saratoga, ended up pulling away by three. In second was Midnight Bizu with Mike Smith up, third at 43 to one. Tom Amos trained Chocolate Martini. It was interesting watching the odds going back and forth. You know how they change after the gate opens. Just before the gate opened, Midnight Bizu was like three to five, and Monomoy Girl was six to five, and they kept going back and forth and back and forth. But when it opened, uh, gates, uh, well, no, not when the gates opened, about halfway through the race, it finally settled uh, at uh, one to two on uh, Monomoy Girl and even money on Midnight Bizu. You don't see that in too many races. So they are the cream of the crop right now of the three-year-old fillies. Then it was back to the boys in the Sanford Stakes. And this time, Todd Pletcher did get his seventh win in a race. And it was the Sanford Stakes it was Sambaye at five to two. This was a great stretch run. It was Sambaye and Strike Silver, who was very, very game. Strike Silver had the lead. Sambaye came back, and then it was a bing bada boom to the wire. Javier Castellano, first time in the saddle for the Todd Pletcher trainee, a son of Into Mischief. So we'll be looking for this two-year-old down the road. The Sanford, a significant race. Again, it was Strike Silver in second and in the third spot, Whiskey Echo. All right, then at Saratoga, the grade one, Diana, and it was Sister Charlie, 
great photo finish. Just got up. This is the horse we said often gets itself in too much trouble by taking herself out of the race too much. Johnny V in the saddle for Chad Brown. And so Sister Charlie, the Irish bred, came in. Of course, uh, Johnny V brought out the famous grade one saddle that he inherited from Angel Cadero that has been in two Kentucky Derbies. Second spot, Ultra Brett. Third, the hot horse, a raving beauty who got shut off big time. Put that on your list of horses to watch. And then going out west real quick, we're looking at the San Diego Handicap. Accelerate was not in it. Neither was Curlin's Ride. The winner was a new hot kid on the block, undefeated now, and three starts. Catalina Cruiser, four-year-old Colt, obviously has had some shares of problems, but three starts were one and 17, one and 18, and now is a grade two stakes winner, trained by John Sadler. Drayden Van Dyke was in the saddle. So we'll be watching for Catalina Cruza, a four-year-old colt. And we close it out with a race we didn't talk about because it didn't happen until last night. And that was the Prince of Wales Stakes. It's kind of the Preakness Stakes for Canadian breads. And the winner in here, no surprise, Wonder Godot went to the front wire to wire. It was a really sloppy track. And look who's in the saddle, Johnny V in Fort Erie to ride. Kept him far off the rail and got the job done. Wander Godot could be the Triple Crown winner, and it's a she. That's right, a Philly beating the boys again. All right, well, uh, that's a look at national news, last week's races that we uh, took on uh, with our guests, and uh, now we're going to take a break, and we come back, we're going to be with Evan Hammonds, the managing editor of The Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me, a gentleman that's on the show before, Evan Hammonds, the managing editor of one of my favorite publications to read on a weekly basis, and that is The Blood Horse. Uh, he's been in there for probably going on 20 years now, I'm guessing. Started out as the managing editor and then was named uh, a, a, a executive editor in 2007. Uh, he w- was a mm-hmm. DRF graduate uh, back on yeah. the uh, Jersey in Arizona. So with no further ado, Evan Hammonds, welcome back to the show. Well, great. Uh, great to be back. And it has been 20 years because uh, I started the day after uh Real Quiet did not win the Triple Crown, so it's been 20 years. It's been easy. Then I've got to update your bio because I've got a, I've got an old bio here. I was just winging it, so I'll send it <laughs> how, to how you. About just, you. How about the old? How about this old guy? That'll that'll work. There you go. There, you, and you know what? Sooner or later, you'll get an award. You know, all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you, I don't know why I'm getting this award. I guess I just lived long enough, and they finally figured. Well, hey, Engelhart's <clears throat> over there. Get him in here. Get, yeah. <laughs> It's called, yeah, it's called Outliving the Competition. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, at, at least you're there, you know. I mean, uh, we're having a tough time in, 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 in racing publicity, racing publications. Uh, I, I'm sure, uh, just as we're going to talk later about the struggling for o- new owners, that uh, uh-huh. the Blood uh-huh. Horse, like any print publication, is uh, struggling for new subscribers. Well, we're, we're hanging in there. Our, <clears throat> excuse me, our su- subscriber base has uh, dropped, but uh, you know, being kind of a niche publication and a and, and a uh, uh, trade publication, it, it hasn't fallen as far as you know other uh, more national brands like Time, Newsweek, Sports Illustrated, like that. So we're we're hanging in there. The the daily is uh, product is uh, is kicking tail, and the and the website continues to be, I think, the best website in the business. So. Uh, we're, we're doing just fine, John. Oh, I know you are because uh, my phone rings 10 times a day, or it doesn't ring, it dings, and I look down and I get my blood horse uh, alert, so somebody's working mm-hmm. on the job, that's for sure, Evan. <clears throat> well, that's true. Well, yeah, there's, yeah, there's precious few of us uh, left, but we're all, we all love what we do, and uh, you know, people like it, uh, DRF and TDN, we're all uh, dedicated to promoting the sport and doing the best we can to to uh, get the uh, information out there, so we just, we just keep doing it. So we don't we don't know any better, John. We don't know any better. I know, but I mean, you, you got to admit, Evan. Even though you you you, know, you might say that you're, or, or we all believe that there are less subscribers to the magazine that we hold. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably just as many eyes on your daily, and uh, on. <clears throat> Blood horse alerts that they get, so it's it's not like not as many people are paying attention to the blood horse. They're just doing it in different formats. Oh, absolutely, and we're you know who who knows what we're going to be doing in five years. So, so maybe uh, you know some other new technology that, that pops up, and we'll all uh, jump on it and and keep getting the keep keep uh, getting the news out there. So you know who, who knows? I I, I could uh, wake up and there could be a uh, a 3D image of uh, uh, Lisa Wentz so used at the foot of my bed saying, wake up, John, I've got good news about, uh, you know. As long, uh, as, long as it's magic. not me, that's okay. As long as it's yeah. not me, that's okay, John. <laughs> no, I don't want to see you standing there in your jammies, that's yeah. for sure. No, you'll, uh, yeah, that, that's the ghost of Christmas past right there, my friend. <laughs> 
Well, Evan, you know, I, uh, I uh, led the show with uh, the worst kept secret in racing, and and that's that uh, Justify was going to be retired this week. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let's, as soon as I heard that word filling, let's face, it, I was I was booking bats, and nobody take them because yeah, nobody, all, yeah, nobody would take them. We all knew in this day and age that with what this horse had accomplished, and I think the filling was probably a part of what he accomplished in the short amount of time he did. So maybe the curse of Apollo actually, while he broke it, came back on him because he had to do so much in so many different conditions and so many different places. I guess it just took its toll. Yeah. And you look, uh, you know, you you especially look back at the the Derby and Preakness, how, you know, horrid uh, those conditions were on the racetrack. And, 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 you know, uh, just what what a regular race of that caliber, you know, going a mile and a quarter for the first time takes out of a out of a, any horse, and then you you know you throw in that sloppy track, and uh, it, it just it's just that much more taxing. And then to do it again in the Preakness, you know, and then you know turn around three weeks later in in the uh, in the Belmont, which is uh, exhausting in itself, just walking around Belmont Park, much less running around. That <laughs> uh, probably uh, probably. <clears throat> did a number on him, and 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 like we like you were talking earlier about the uh, uh, media and 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 whatnot. You know, when you have as many people around the racetrack with cameras and cell phones and <clears throat> blogs and and Twitter, when when you didn't see the horse, you didn't see images of the horse, you know, out on the track at Santa Anita for a while. You knew uh, you knew something was up, and then you you know you again, you count the days from the Breeders' Cup back, and you just knew. Uh, Time was time was getting pretty short. Exactly, and, and I spoke to that in the first segment of the show. That you know, even if he did become a hundred percent sound in thirty days, what what can you do? I mean, you got to find a prep. You can't just jump into the Breeders' Cup Classic, you know, for your first test back. And they're just, you know, logistically would not be enough time to get them ready for that. And do you want to go so long term that you're going to the Pegasus? Hey, I don't think the horse needs to earn any money to stamp himself as a great one. I u't uh, not not from we not from the uh, again, uh, you know, not to be published uh, figures you hear of uh, his value. <clears throat> but you know doing uh, you know basic economics of what he will, stand for, you know, times the, the 150 to 200 plus covers horses do now, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just too much money. It's, it's yeah, just too much and, money. And you're not going to be asked to pound your legs to do it with the chance of injury. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to be awful smart about making sure no mares kick mm-hmm. him on the way in. Now, Evan, I, I see that he's being brought down slowly at Windstar. Uh, you've got uh-huh. your ear to the ground. Have you heard anything that there's been any solid deal with Coolmore to join American oh. Pharaoh? <clears throat> well, we're, uh, you know, we have not, uh, we, we've hinted at that. We have not uh, published anything. Our <clears throat> MO at, at Blood Horse is to uh, not, uh, you know, make any announcement until we actually hear it from the farm first. And so, uh we're at liberty to uh, wait on that, but obviously, uh, you talk to anybody out there in the business, they know he's uh, likely going there. And the, and the fact he's going to Windstar is great because they have, uh, I would say, undoubtedly the best uh, training facilities out there. That's actually where he got his early start. But you go out to Windstar, they have the training tracks, they have all the uh, 
uh, massage boards. They have the electric boards. They stand on the hyperbaric chambers. They they are a first class uh, facility for uh, you know rehabbing horses. Now, not that Justify needs to be rehab, but it needs to be brought down from from his training level. And uh, there's no no better place uh, in the continent to do that than at Windstar. So he's uh, in the right, definitely in the right spot there. Now, again, where he goes to <clears throat> stud. Uh, in January is uh, is uh, I'll just leave it as it's up to speculation, but I think we all know what we're talking about. Well, Evan, uh, I alluded earlier in the show to your uh, story. You know what's going on here, Colin, <clears throat> in the need for okay. new owners, and I mean this yeah. has been, you know, in my career and in my current job, this is my goal is to get mm-hmm. new owners. Um, how do we approach getting new owners? Because the, the, as you pointed out, there's a whole different level to the game and get new owners. There's the Windstar level, there's the West Point level, and then there's the maybe a guy like Jeff Greenhill, local trainer who takes on, you know, 15 partners and to, just to get people mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. game. And then there's, you know, a thing like Warriors Club. I mean, my God, he's racing this weekend. The horse has won over $600,000. And that's just a, a way to get people interested. And I understand there's a lot of people that have joined the different racing clubs that have then since become owners or partners in smaller partnerships. Yeah, well, I, well if I had an answer for you, I would uh, be, be in a different line of uh Business in the horse business. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but you just need to keep. Uh, <clears throat> just need to keep pounding away and putting the good word out there. I mean, you know, as I, as I alluded to in the column, it's it's easy to sell uh, the story of like a Seattle slew who sells for seventeen thousand and then goes on to win the triple crown, or uh, uh, I'll have another that was a thirty-five thousand <clears> dollar two-year-old that, that went on to make uh, you know a couple of million. But but you can point out to uh, the high end. Uh, such as uh, a justify, you know, as a five hundred thousand dollar yearling that that you know it, it works at all levels and and new people coming in, you can either partner up with other guys or or, or go it uh, go it yourself. But the but the key is uh, just to keep uh, keep selling the story. I mean, I would think uh, you know a justify who's worth uh, you know multi million dollars uh, would 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 that be enough to. Uh, hopefully get the attention of some people out there. Well, you know, obviously there's people, uh, well, I'll say like me, that can't afford, you know, the horses with, with the high-end pedigrees. But still, I love the excitement. I did end up at some points during my career being a, an owner-breeder and probably had the most fun mm-hmm. of the partnerships I was involved in. You know, I always thought it was better to own uh, part of a good horse than all of a bad one. And uh, sure. I'm just trying I'm trying to find out ways to get that groundswell to get guys like me that are just Joe Sixpack and not rich guys to enter into the game. Yeah, well, I mean, my personal experience myself, I'm, I'm a part owner of uh, a broodbear package, and I didn't put up an arm and leg to uh, get in it. I, I, uh, I, again, I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a marketing expert, but there's got to be ways to uh, promote the game, and 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 you do a great job with, or we all you know try to do a great job. You do a great job just putting out that information out there. But but replay, uh, you know, come up with some marketing plan that r- runs a replay of uh, <clears throat> American Pharaoh winning, you know, the stretch run of the Belmont and justify a stretch run running the Belmont, and just you you got to try to figure out some way to capture that feeling because as you know, as an owner, as a fan of uh, 
what what a horse can what a horse can do for you coming down the stretch when you got two dollars on it or you you own one two hundredth of it. This that uh, that feeling. Now you know, again, there's there's a thousand ways to lose and one way to win. But the the one way you win, it it it, it feels <laughs> it feels pretty good. Yeah, it, we we just gotta we just gotta get them in the door, Evan, and. Uh, like you said, I mean, and you know, I, I've been blessed to have, uh, you know, state bred stakes horses and a track record setter, uh, but most of my horses barely paid for themselves. Uh, but mm-hmm. man, when that horse hits the wire and you're part of that partnership, it's like your kid hitting the final shot in the state championship. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and again, it's hard to put that in a picture or hard to put that in a. Uh, 15 second promotional spot, but uh, you you have to keep just pounding away at that. And uh, if, if you are, if you are in a partnership and, and you own one two hundredth of a, a horse, you take five buddies of you with you to the track next time it runs. Yeah, and that picture that hangs on your uh, your wall, you always get to point to it and go, "Yeah, that's a horse I owned." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might, it might have been a pretty expensive photo, but but, but look at look at where I am. You're on, oh, you're on top of the world. I, I got you're on top of the world. I, yeah, I got some five thousand dollar photos hanging in my room. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, guys, most most of them paid their way, though, Evan, and that in itself was was a, a blessing and such a fantastic experience. And luckily, I was able to do it when my kids were young and got to bring them along for the ride. And uh, since then, they, they've always that none of them are owners now, but they've had a passion for the sport. At least they always watch, you know, the big races and stuff. Or, uh-huh, or uh-huh. Me if they know I'm at the track to make a bet for them because they're watching it on national TV. Um, just, uh, you know, again, that's the next challenge we got. And, heck, I'm going to have to have you back on because this would be a whole other segment. But how we get <clears throat> the younger fans involved, uh, not only as fans, but to, to get them in as ownership. Because we know that yeah, they've well, yeah, got I, loose money. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know about getting them into ownership. But <clears throat> I think we're definitely getting them into uh, being at least casual fans. Because uh, you, you go to the Derby, you go to the Preakness, the, you know, the big events. And that's where... Uh, racing's headed. I think that's where all sports events are headed. Uh, no, nobody wants to watch a, you know, an ordinary baseball game or an ordinary uh, horse race on a, on a on a Wednesday afternoon. But they want to be there on Saturday on the big event days. And and it's it's uh, maybe I'm showing my age, but I, I think the the demographic is is very young at these events. Uh, it is, and they're having a blast. Uh, we, we, uh, we just got to continue to uh, engage them and make sure they have fun when they're there. Uh-huh. Certainly, you know, Trek, I go to on a regular basis, and you do too. Uh, Keeneland does an outstanding job. Uh, uh-huh. Of course, uh-huh. you know, I hope as many are there for uh, the bets as they are for the buzz, but uh, nonetheless, they're there. And well, that's, that's, the for, very uh, first that's where I started, and, and I was there for the buzz, and look where, look where it got me. <laughs> hey, got you a job as the managing editor yeah. of the Blood Horse, buddy. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Well, it anyhow, can happen. It, it can happen. It, it can. It can. And like you said, you're you know you're into a partnership now. My kids decided to go to college, so I can't be in any kind of partnership <laughs> uh, other other than one with Fifth Third Bank. Uh, so, well, with that, I. Uh, I digress. Evan Hammonds, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, don't be such a stranger. I want to get get you on again. You're always a breath of fresh air. I love uh, reading your columns, and you're doing a great job with the Blood Horse. 
Okay, well, well, thank you very much. And uh, it, it takes uh, it takes a, a great team to to do all of that. So everybody at the Blood Horse is uh, devoted. Uh, they put in a lot of time. They put in a lot of hours, and and they and they do it right. So it's a, it's it's a it's a great team <clears throat> to uh, work for, and uh, greatly appreciate uh, you taking the time to call me to have you on the show. I'll, I'll come back anytime. All right, Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. We're going to take a break, and we come back. The King of Louisville is going to be with us. That's right. Byron King makes his return to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, uh, gentlemen, I always enjoy having on the show, Byron King, a columnist and handicapper from the Daily Racing Forum. He's down there in uh, beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Byron, how are you doing, buddy? I'm great, John. You even say Louisville right. You know, you kind of have Louisville. You kind of got that. You got it right. You know, no one around here actually calls it Louisville. Or, or uh, so you got it. You say it right, man. Well, I, I do, and, you know, I know a lot of natives from there. Now, here's my problem, and you straighten me out on this. When I go down there for the races, and in the la- at night I'm in my hotel room and I turn it on, 
the news anchors call it Louisville. What's up with that? I know, I know. What do you do? You know, there's just so many. We respond to anything. It's the same thing with, obviously, my first name, uh, Byron. I get called Brian a lot. I respond to it all. So your title, the King of Louisville, is my personal favorite. So um, if I could just go by that, that'd be fine with me. You can, you can, but I just don't understand it because I've heard people say Louisville, and I'll, I, one of my best friends is from Louisville, and uh, you know he's like, no, no, they don't call it that. I said, the hell they don't. Go down there and listen to a news broadcast. He's he moved away years ago. I go, I sit there watch the news, and the people from that town call it Louisville. I'm like, what's up with that? I just don't get it. But uh, I guess it's one of those things in life that uh, maybe they think there's more out-of-towners there than local people that are listening to the news. <laughs> but anyhow, thank you for that compliment that I am uh, correctly stating uh, the uh, or pronunciating the name of your hometown. Now, uh, Byron, before we get on to, to, to some races, I, I know that you, you handicap across a card over there, but uh, – read a fun article, I won't call it fun, but an informative article on Saturday that you penned uh, talking about the trainers of the babies on the East and West Coast. Um, You know, I had totally lost track of this Brill, the million-dollar auction purchased by Magdalia Dioro, who uh, jumped up with the uh, highest-speed figure of a two-year-old filly. So, how many different assignments do you get for the track? Did they say, Byron, you're going to be tracking two-year-olds for the summer or this week, or now I want you to handicap the feature at Ellis? Uh, how does it work for you working for the racing forum? Is it kind of like on Monday you find out what you're doing for the following week? Uh, well, a little bit of that. You know, naturally, um, my schedule is a little more set during the peak. Uh, racing times in Kentucky. You know, I know that obviously if Keeneland's going on, there's going to be a heavy focus on that, the Breeders' Cup, the Derby, that kind of thing. But at other times of the year, um, you know, we apply our resources to where it makes the most sense. And naturally, at, um, you know, in the summertime, the primary meets are, you know, Del Mar and Saratoga, so we're going to put a lot of focus on that. Um, Gulfstream has become a very major player um, in the year-round circuit. Obviously, their racing is a little bit better from, you know, December through um, early April, but it is still a a very powerful circuit now year-round, so I'm doing a lot of that. But um, a lot of, you know, I I fill in the gaps when needed and, and cover when needed, and that, you know, the beauty is that that does keep it fresh a little bit. I don't get stuck on just looking at just one track and seeing the same old, same old, which is kind of refreshing. That's good. Well, in in this recent article, if I can continue, um, you kind of uh, say that there's filters that can isolate the histories of trainers uh, to illustrate a trainer's skill in select areas. So for that column... And in preparation for that column, I should say, you filtered the records of many of the successful two-year-old trainers. Uh, For anybody that didn't pick up a form on Saturday, any chance you can, uh, you know, synopsize what you had in that column concerning Pletcher uh, and George Weaver and Rick Violet? Because this time of the year, people got their ear to the ground for those baby races. Absolutely. Well, what I did do is, uh, and I think 
One of the challenges of handicapping meat like Saratoga, and my primary focus of the column was on Saratoga, main reason being is you have so many different trainers and horses converging there. Out in Del Mar, you have, it is still primarily the Southern California guys. You do have some guys that ship out there from the east, uh, you know, Tom Proctor or whatnot, but generally speaking, you know, the guys that are at Santa Anita are the guys that are at Del Mar. So I wanted to follow the Saratoga angle specifically, just find out, you know, who are the guys that really connect with the babies first time out. And it was some interesting things, you know. Um, some of the things that I found out is certainly, well, Pletcher is going to win his share races. And I looked over a three-year sample through Daily Racing Forms formulator database and for anyone that is unfamiliar with that it's a service that we have on our website that allows you to look up all kinds of statistical information it's essentially interactive past performances and so you can click on a trainer and you can find out you pretty much name the stat and you can find out what it is you want to see how a guy does when he's bringing horses back from six months off Voila, you can look back his five-year history. Uh, and not only do you see the stat, it'll list all the horses for you. So if you see a winner, you might click on it and see, oh, well, this one has an angle similar to this one. So you can draw some conclusions from it, which is fantastic. That all said, um, one of the things that I found out naturally is, as we all know, Pletcher will win his share races. I think off the top of my head, I want to say it was around low 20s or thereabouts. Um, but he's very well back. So there isn't a really just sound strategy of just betting his first-timers. On the other hand, George Weaver, who actually yeah. happens to be a Pletcher assistant, um, has great returns but um, not only in win percentage, but at the mutuals. I mean, he can light them up. And so he is a guy that definitely commands attention when he brings one over. And so uh, that was kind of the subject of it. And, um, you know, we've seen, of course, this is a little bit, whenever you analyze this kind of stuff, you have to bear in mind that, you know, it's a little bit like stock market returns, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that if a guy won the 20% before, he's going to win 20% going forward. You know, people's barns change, their owners change, their clients, things like that. Sometimes you get better horses, worse horses, all those kinds of things. But nevertheless, a good angle in races where there's not a lot of information to look at in the past performances. Well, it was it was, it was well stated, Byron. I enjoyed the article, and I'm going to be keeping my eye out for uh, George Weaver. I did not know that he was a Pletcher School graduate, but I just found that out because I am talking to Byron Kink from the Daily Racing Forum, and my producer's telling me that uh, if I want to stay in the air, I got to pay some bills. All right, Josh, tell you what. We're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Byron King and look at some of the races run at Saratoga this weekend. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And uh, with me, one of my favorite guests, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Byron, it's not one of the races that we're going to handicap this week or that I at least publicized we were. But tell me a little about the the, the man of war because I know that you've put some work into a column coming up on DRF. That is correct and, and uh, now available. Um, and it, but it concerns its own for the Saturday edition of the Racing Forum. Uh, in lines of the Man of War Stakes, and it's an intriguing race in that um, it's a it's a, uh, a turf marathon, Grade Two, but Grade One caliber field, and um, you have probably up to about four horses, maybe more, that are coming off what I would consider to be troubled trips, but one of those. I think is kind of a sneaky trouble trip, not like the obvious, you know, so it might slip through the cracks, and that would be high happy. Now, when I say slip through the cracks, I don't mean that he'll be a huge price because he's already a grade one winner, but when he was third in the Manhattan last time, he he ended up breaking from the inside, and he got hounded on the lead, and the horse that was uh, on his outside just kept creeping a neck a half length in front of him down the back stretch and just kind of forced him to have to just keep going and going and going and never really had a breather and yet through it all and watching it you know I just kept thinking this horse is going to throw him a towel and he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and to me this showed a lot of perseverance that um, makes him an appealing play and the best part of it is it's not like one of these trips where he got steadied and checked and that everyone and their mother is betting him off that angle. So um, right. I'm hopeful that he'll be a tick or two higher on the board than perhaps he should be because he lost that race. But in my opinion, he didn't lose anything in defeat. 
Now, when you say he, say his name again so people remember it. Hi Happy. Hi Happy is his name. He's actually a horse that won the Pan American as well as the um, the Man of War earlier this spring. And the last time out, he ran third in the Manhattan Stakes on, on Belmont Day, which is a great, it's an outstanding grade one race they have in a mile and a quarter, which is a little bit short uh, for what he prefers. Even though he's a front runner, he, he kind of likes the long, steadier, slower tempo that he gets in these these three-turn turf marathon type races. All right, Byron Kane, uh, let me tell you now, we're going to go to a race that's going to happen tomorrow on our calendar, and that's the Curlin. It's not a graded race, but we're going to see a horse that, I bet in the Belmont pretty good, <laughs> and he finished third, and I didn't bet him to show, is Hofburg. And, I, you know, this is the time of year everybody's kind of pointing to the Travers, the Midsummer Derby, and you like to get your horse into it, have a nice prep race. But to be honest with you, and we'll get to the Jim Dandy, I'm almost surprised he didn't go in the Jim Dandy because there's no giant killers in there, and I think, you know, He'll, he's going to dominate the curling stakes, and that's Hofburg. You know, I'm with you in that sense. You know, I think ultimately in, in everything that I've read from my colleague, uh, David Krennig, you know, is that, you know, they were looking to give him some definite class relief. Uh, this is a horse that has only won a maiden race, and since then they've run him in three consecutive grade ones. Uh, once behind Audible in the Florida Derby, then seventh behind Justify in the Kentucky Derby with much trouble, and then third in the Belmont. So they have really asked a lot of them. I think they're looking to give them a confidence builder, a you know a win that would kind of get his confidence up, get him moving in the right direction. This is the way Belmont, his trainer, typically works. It was very uncharacteristic of him to be as aggressive uh, with the placement of Hofburg as he was. And I, I think many people think that speaks to this horse's talent. Um, but certainly this race is a restricted stakes race. It's for horses that haven't won a graded race at a mile or over this year. So, you know, he's kind of tailor made for the conditions. And so, um, but as you mentioned, the Jim Dandy, is not a particularly great race, um, top to bottom. I think he probably would have been favored or close to favored in in that race as well. Absolutely, and again, you know, from everything I read, and I know some of the people that work in the Mott Stable, uh, it wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't Bill's choice. He always had the choice, but they say Hofburg just blossomed so quickly. It's like he took us to the Kentucky Derby. We didn't take him there. Now, again, you know, it, it was the rainiest Kentucky Derby in the history of the race. And uh, he uh, started out 16th and 15th in the early going. That's never too good when you're getting that goo thrown back in your face. I read Ortiz. It was written in every lifetime start will be back. And so, yeah, if if there's going to be a solid confidence builder for the Travers, certainly the, the curling would be that. So um, let's skip to uh, the, the the Jim Dandy race that he probably uh like you said would be favored or second favorite um very shocked to see the short field in this uh, very esteemed race it's a mile and an eighth at saratoga 
And uh, I'll tell you what, this race is wide open, in my opinion, Byron. I share with you the same thought that, wow, it's kind of surprising that it could draw so few. And I think the reason of that is um, on several fronts. I think, number one, I've never liked it too much when a track writes two races that are pretty similar to one another because they're inevitably going to divide the horses that you would have. So in my mind, the Merlin Stakes... Yeah, during the Colton takes the day before the Jim Dandy, it's like, well, you're asking to make it a short field, aren't you? And that you're going to have two short fields instead of one large one. It, to me, it's not how I would map it out by any means. So um, that would not be my choice. And then additionally, what you have is you have competition for horses, too with the Haskell Stakes, which is on Sunday and is the, the largest purse of the bunch. And um, as a result, you know, that drew like good magic, for example, who would have been favored probably wherever he ran. But Vino Rosso is clearly the horse to beat, in my mind, in the Jim Dandy. He is like you. Uh, you know, mentioned that you'd lost on Hofburg. I lost in backing Vino Rosso in the, in the Belmont. I thought he made a nice run on the turn. You know, they had to ask him early to get into contention, and as a result, he, excuse me when I say early, early on the second turn, and as a result, he flattened out a little bit in the stretch. He was fourth, and the race did not really shape up, at least the way that um, any of his backers hoped that it would. It really didn't have the kind of pace that, um, people hoped for that would be pressing justified, but I think he's a legitimate horse. Not you know, not top top of the line, but at the same um, the same token, you know, you're talking about a race that, quite honestly, isn't top of the line. All right, uh, Byron Key from the Daily Racing Forum, putting your feet to the fire. My producers tell me I only have a minute left. Can you touch upon the Alfred G. Vanderbilt? It's a Grade One, but they're sprinting six furlongs. Yes, and you've got Imperial Hint, who's a very, very cool horse, very tiny little horse that is just incredibly fast, and he's clearly the one to beat in the Vanderbilt. He looks like he is um, set up. Now, he did have a training setback that um, briefly um, put his his participation in doubt. So if anybody's looking for a chink in his armor, that might be something. Now, having said that, He's a very fast-working horse, and he's, as I mentioned, a small horse. And those are the kind of horses that don't need as much, you know, heavy, heavy training to stay fit. So, um, But he is battling a horse stepping up in class called Switzerland, who I personally think is is a regression candidate, especially if he has to duke it out early with imperial hint so i could see maybe a long shot or something coming on rallying from off the pace to maybe finish behind imperial hint all right well listen byron it's great having you back on the airwaves with me uh i hope you have a pleasant summer i hope you have a good time on your break out there in california and i always look forward to the next time our paths will cross and i wish you nothing but the best and i really enjoy reading you in the daily racing forum well thank you john it's my pleasure as always being on uh, winning ponies you can uh, have me on anytime you'd like 
Well, good. Now that I know you're out of that Thursday night poker game, I'm going to be calling you, brother. That's right. That's right. Well, you you know the number. <laughs> I do know the number. Thanks for Byron King for joining us. He's with the Daily Racing Forum from the Blood Horse. Evan Hammond uh, join us, and it was great hearing him too. It's always great delivering uh, this information to you folks. Don't forget, if you didn't listen to it live, well, you're listening to it live now. Tell a friend. It's on podcast tomorrow, and we've got plenty of time to get the information out and our picks and selections. And I want to thank our producer, Josh, for keeping me in line. I want to thank everybody from Winning Ponies. Don't forget, come over to our site, winningponies.com. We've had some biggins, and we'll have them again. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.